This is Future Heist. Conversations with people making change. My name is Rena Neve Smith. So yeah, my name is um, Neymar Omar. Uh, I guess I would say I'm an activist <laughs> and I'm 23. So we're here today to talk about like hijab and the um, Muslim women's right to wear yeah. a headscarf. So um, you wear a headscarf. Can you tell us about your like own decision to, to wear one? Um, I started wearing mine when I was quite young in primary school, basically, because my mother wore it and like I just wanted to look like her. And it's something all the women in my family wore. It was just a part of our identity. So I just thought it was something you did. For me, it wasn't anything big. But mm. as I grew up, I started to understand what it meant. And it meant more to me. Um, and I chose to wear it. And yeah, of course, there were occasions where I took it off because it's like, you're a kid and you're still growing up. But um, I think now more than ever, I wear it as a symbol of resistance to show to people... I don't know, if it was in a different society, I guess a lot of Muslim women would have taken it off by now. Or if they wanted to keep it on, they could keep it on. But I think now more than ever, it's becoming a symbol of, like, I choose what I want to wear. If this is on the threat, I will keep a hold on to it and make sure that you can't dictate what I wear or what I do. Definitely. Yeah. Do you know people who've, who've stopped wearing it because of the Islamophobia that's around today? Um, I'm aware of people who stopped wearing it because of the Islamophobia, but like, there's a close friend of us, uh, Nadia, who chose to stop wearing it, but then her family was relieved that she stopped wearing it because of the Islamophobia. Even though she chose for different reasons, they were just relieved because like, the rise of Islam across, Islamophobia across the country, they, was, like, they were relieved that she actually took it off, which I think says a lot in the world in which you live with, where your parents are like... You're happy you made that decision, even yeah, though they exactly. kind of wanted you to wear it in the first place. Yeah. No, yeah, that it must be very difficult because obviously it does. Um, it carries a lot of meaning, and like you say, it's like a, it's a cultural thing, and so, and a lot of the women in your family wear it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you you see it as part of your like identity? I see it part of who I am because I've rolled it so much. Like I have dreams, you know, the dreams about people going outside naked or something. Mm. I have dreams about going without my headscarf. <laughs> if I don't constantly make an effort but yeah I think it's so a part of who I am now more than ever and like I will think of different ways to do it up and just I don't know just become a second bit of my body and like I make a conscious effort to colour match it with whatever I'm wearing and I think it's very much a part of a lot of people's identity and who they are yeah. and I think like you kind of have to be quite strong in this climate to just wear the headscarf and like easily identify yourself as a Muslim because most physical attacks on Muslim people tend to be Muslim women because we're the most visible. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really scary. And I mean, um, obviously Boris Johnson recently spoke about um, women wearing like the burqa. Yeah. And um, it seems that people are especially critical of what Muslim women wear. I don't know, it's just, it's been throughout the world, isn't it? It's been throughout so much of our past. 
they justify racism and Islamophobia by questioning what women wear or what women do in general. We're the first target and they go under the banner of like, we're trying to liberate you. If you want to liberate a woman, you should be given a choice, not making her feel terrified to leave her house because people are going to feel much more confident to say what they want to say. And you, Boris Johnson, like, he's given the right and those that who have racist ideas credibility to go on the street and, like, they're not just going to stand there and say, oh, you look like a letterbox or something. They will actually go just a step further or, or may attack her or rip it off. And it's just... He just giving them more credibility more than ever, which is really terrifying considering his position. But he just like, and what's more scary is the fact that people dismiss what he says because it's Boris. So it's like, what he says doesn't have an effect on what happens to people on the streets. We can't dismiss him. He's he's a part of our government, and we should really truly highlight the races that he's spouted. Definitely. Yeah. It is really scary. And then, um, what about you personally? I mean, have you? ever suffered any Islamophobic attacks or have you witnessed any Islamophobia yourself? I think for me it's, um, it's always the minute stuff where you question if it was or wasn't and in itself questioning it is quite it's quite weird in itself like you're like is that, was that Islamophobic or was that racist or was that because they're just a dick and like you're, <laughs> you're not quite sure what the situation yeah. is yeah. there's like times I um I'm on a tube and I can just feel people just staring at me for no reason. And it tends not to be Londoners, it tends to be a tourist or something just right, staring at me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just sitting here on the tube, I'm perfectly fine. Or like if I'm with um, a white male friend and we're just sitting on the tube going somewhere, the stares intensify, people are just like, you two are not meant to be talking together, you're not meant to be like... Wow. Like, yeah. t- like being a part of each other's life like we're just friends and we're just sitting here just going somewhere calm down yeah <laughs> yeah like the assumptions that people are making yeah and just like genuine stereotypes of what I can and can't be doing it's like I'm just living my life and just going about it the same way anyone else would it's just it's weird and like I think um because like being raised in London, there's so many people who wear the headscarf. It's so normal. But I think there was this one time when I was on the tube and it was like during rush hour and there was all these people in suits, mostly men. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh shit, I'm the odd one out here. Like I'm so removed from everyone else on this tube. But normally I never think that way. But sometimes you're like, I slightly feel like the alien. Mm-hmm. But then you step out and you're like, actually, I'm a part of a wider group who's mm-hmm. just part of it. Yeah, that must yeah. be like... Yeah, <laughs> odd and weird feeling. And then um, I suppose, like, it is about visibility, isn't it? Mm. Because, like, it's interesting what you said about um, tourists, because I come from the northeast of England, and, like, I don't know that many girls back home who wear one or women who wear one mm-hmm. um, back home. And, and I know that, like, even... So that's even within the same country as yeah. London, and there's still, like, a, a, a big difference. And I guess... Um, I guess it must also tap into like you know how much people are kind of around it and stuff yeah and i guess like especially if you like your path larger you see people where, where mat- no matter where you go you just become a part of your life and i think if you only see it on the media and then you see someone on the streets it's just it's either curiosity or just hate or just a dislike for no reason to someone you don't know and i think sometimes i try to not automatically think this person dislikes me or anything maybe they're just intrigued but 
I think, yeah, even though if I, like, take off my headscarf, I always think, like, what's the point of that? Because, like, I'm still a black woman. I can't take the colour of my skin off. It's like, there's always be something else. Or what's the point of giving people the first step in revealing a part of who you are? Definitely. Yeah. And then I suppose as well, like, do you think there's, uh, it's an act of solidarity as well? Yeah, I think um, after there was, I think there was once a terror attack that took place and everyone on the tube, which is like people were making a conscious effort to smile at me, which was really sweet, but creepy because you don't do that shit on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, that's sweet, but it's like, you're slightly making me unnervy about this situation. But I think people who are raised with it know, like, this is not who you are. The, both the media, the the writer portrayed that's not who you are they will do small acts of solidarity here and mm, there and definitely. It's, it's sweet but at the same time it's like it's quite weird. i wish like i wish you didn't have live in a world where you have to do that yeah 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 absolutely and then also like an act of solidarity like for you with other muslim women like do you yeah. see that do you see wearing it as part of that um yeah of course it's just like there's a um just an unwritten thing like you kind of just acknowledge each other and you've like if I go to a certain place and I see another, no, no, I think n- not now as much, but beforehand, if I go somewhere, especially to a new town and see another woman wearing a headscarf, I will automatically feel much more comfortable. Like, mm, okay, there's other people like like me here, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think, even though, yeah, and I think I just like it's nice to see them around and just be a part of a community within a community even though you don't know that woman at all you just have an automatic link because you're both muslim you're both red headscarf you're like we know what we're going through and we're quite aware of it and we like i think um if i was to see a muslim woman being verbally or physically attacked on a tube or something i will automatically get up because i know like i'm not gonna stand for this whereas I think one of the most terrifying things for me is not being attacked or someone saying something to me, is seeing others not do anything. That will be what upsets me the most if people are just quiet about it more than actually someone doing it. Yeah. 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 Because it's that whole thing about, like, for evil to persist, it just takes for good people to do nothing. Yeah. And it is, yeah, that is frightening. Yeah, which I think that was, like when you see videos of a woman being attacked or something and you see no one else helping or doing anything, that's the most heartbreaking thing. It's like mm. you're, even though you're not taking part in it, you're as, as bad as the person who did it for not doing anything or helping her or showing her any form of support, solidarity. She is like a human being. Mm-hmm. An innocent person that just going about their lives. Yeah, um, I heard one um, story uh, a few years ago now, but it kind of stayed with me because it was really frightening. It was this, um, it was a Muslim woman who was attacked on the tube and beaten up. And the thing is, nobody did anything, first of all. Yeah. No one stepped in. And the second thing that was frightening about it was that apparently when she went to work the next day, people asked her if it was her husband oh who'd beaten gosh. her. Oh my gosh. And it was just like, for me, it encapsulated like, so much that's like problematic like it was a real snapshot because first of all there's like people aren't standing up to help and second of all they're immediately i don't know it's kind of like believing a lot of the sort of stereotypes and prejudices that they've obviously picked up from yeah that's i didn't hear that story but that's just disgusting man and i think like 
it goes into that whole narrative of possibly women being controlled by their fathers and their husbands. Like, I was at a demo outside Boris Johnson's constituency or something in mm. Oxford, and there was people from the right on the other side of us chanting. And then there's this one guy who automatically chanted, like, does your husband know you're here? Like, I don't even freaking married. Like, what's... Like, what's <laughs> does your husband know you're here, mate? <laughs> I was like, what does this have to do with it? It's yeah. like, they always go for that angle, and I think... If that was me, I would just be so freaking pissed off yeah. with everyone I worked with. Because it's just so still, like, racism within it. It's like, you don't even care about my well-being. If I was physically attacked, you just had to go on if, if it was my husband. Like, mm-hmm. I, I credit her for, like, being able to deal with it. But I think I would have gone completely mad about yeah. it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's really problematic. Yeah. And I suppose as well, it's it kind of like illuminates the contradiction, doesn't it? Between mm. uh, this right-wing idea that Muslim women are like, you know, this idea that white people need to save mm. brown women from brown men. Like yeah. that kind of, um, I can't remember where that's a quote from, but <clears throat> but this idea that, oh, they're so oppressed, um, but actually they want to like step in and tell yeah. Muslim women like how to dress themselves. Like, you know, you have the police arresting women yeah. in France or, or forcing them to take off um, clothing on the beach, you yeah. know, because it's, it's crazy. I think it's just so weird. It's like this, you think you're helping someone, but really just your own complex. It's like, we have to help you by taking over, stepping, like actually stepping in and making sure this doesn't happen. Like, no, you help someone by ensuring that they have the abilities to flourish. Like, you give them opportunities to have education, jobs, to be a part of society, not to say whether to step. And it's like, kind of like the thing that I always think about, it goes to like colonial parties of certain countries where they only think they, the way they view the world in order to liberate it is that we have to go in there and save them. It's like, that's not how you liberate anyone in any shape or form. But it's just like, the thing about sex is, the thing, no, the thing about racism, it always is narrated in a sexist angle, whether it be like, oh, look at these black men coming to take our white woman, we have to automatically save our woman, therefore go for the black men, or the sexualization of black women, or like Islamophobia today is like, Muslim women have to wear less in order to integrate into society. And I think, what does that say when you're telling a woman to wear less to be a part of society and to show that for you to be liberated, it means you have to wear less. It's like, like for me to be liberated, it means that I should have a choice around what I want, no matter what it is. It's like, yeah. it's not harming you in any shape or form. It's my clothing, like, calm the hell down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the whole point, isn't yeah. it? It's that, like, you have a right to dress how you want. Yeah. Basically. I know. <laughs> we all do, and we all should. No, I think I was like, there was, pe- there was a socialist festival and like people from Ireland came over and they were talking about the abortion rights campaign and they were saying the majority of people who voted yes voted on the slogan, a woman's right to choose. And I think we should use that in every contest, a woman's right to choose to do with her body what she wants, like to have abortion, to have a kid, to, to be supported to have a kid or to be supported to not have a kid, to be supported to wear a piece of clothing, to be supported not to wear it. like a woman's choice no matter what it is it's like and we should have a society where she's not question constantly questioned like we live through the world where you're told not to rare as much but then if you're raped you're told you didn't rare enough right 
It's like, even yeah. though rape takes mostly place in the house, it's like, no, it's like exactly. we live in a sexist world. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be dealing with and not making women have to answer for what they choose to wear or how yeah. they choose to behave or be anything. It's like, we should be teaching and that education and show it, changing the world and the roots of it to say this is not acceptable like you have no right to control what she does or says or what she reads exactly because i think that's something that a lot of um feminists can trip up on um and i use feminists in a very broad sense <laughs> um but there's there is a right-wing feminism who would look at um the hijab or mm. the burqa or whatever and say well well she's like covering herself up and that that's kind of that's problematic because it's about not um not expressing herself or or or, or being forced to kind of hide yeah. her body you know and they and they see that as kind of kind of inherently problematic but they don't my problem with that argument is that they don't apply the same logic when it comes to things like high heels mm-hmm. which you know limit your ability to to move around yeah. it's you know and i think that that's that's part of their appeal almost it's it's that it's the way that when you wear high heels you become almost like this like it's an extra performance of gender it's an extra you're extra feminine you're extra kind of like you will need doors opened yeah. for you and you will need a man's arm to, to lean on if they're very high you know it's yeah. that kind of exaggerated femininity but they don't you know what i mean there's a there's a disconnect between telling muslim women what to wear and and how you know how the how isolating a piece of clothing mm. and the the ideology of that and not kind of applying the same thing to to what women wear in other countries in the west for example i know it's like high heels like they're super pretty i buy them all the time like i don't necessarily wear them but we live in a world where you're constantly told as a woman you should wear this clothing. Like, the fashion industry tells women what to wear all the freaking time. Like, why don't we question that? Why don't we question the sexualization of our young girls, like, the second they hit puberty? Like, should should we not be questioning that? Should we not be questioning, like, the fact... I think the question that I always think is, like, why does you... Why do you automatically think liberation means less? should liberation not mean choice that's that's what i don't get it's like why and the fact that you think it means less kind of shows where your ideas come from and why you're limiting to yourself to that it's like i completely get it like i will support a woman like i support a woman in the middle east or whatever country she is in if she wants to take off her headscarf and then the government is saying she can't i'll be like no she has every right to but i will also support a woman here who chooses to wear it and the government is like probably might say she can't i'll be like no she has the right to choose it's like we should be on the side of people's choice not on the side of questioning what they should be wearing and i think yeah the question with like high heels is and like makeup as well like the fact that like I wear it sometimes, but the fact that, like, from a young age, you're constantly told in order to look prettier, you have to wear makeup. In order to to be, like, to be accepted, you have to do this and do that. It's like, why don't we question that constant pressure on our young girls? Why don't we question the rise of anorexia? Why don't we question, like, the question, like, people's body images, the, like, self-consciousness of that? Why don't we question that instead of, like, constantly targeting Muslim women, I think it should be a wider discussion, and I think, and one thing that always frustrates me is like they always like some feminists they attack Muslim women for wearing too much, but then they attack Black women for sexualizing themselves. It's like, 
okay, so what do you want for women? Like, do yeah. you sexually liberated? Or, like, they're not rare as far as you like, where's the middle ground for you? Mm. What's acceptable for you? So you want people to rare or do what's acceptable for you and what you see in your eyes? Which is, I don't know, I think when it comes from the right wing, it really hurts. But when it comes from, like, people who are, say, they're liberals or feminists, it's like, it hurts a bit more. It's like you guys you're meant to slightly be on my side and be helping me not be on their side and giving them credibility because like with the headscarf ban in france some of the like mp like some of the mps are the people who carried it out have history of sexism and no one questioned that it's like why don't we question why these men are telling what women should be wearing more than anything like Mm. and you're just giving them credibility yeah, absolutely. I think countries like France and, and Denmark as well, they recently passed a law, haven't they? Yeah, Denmark passed, I think they're fining um, women for wearing a veil, but there's been massive protests, which has been amazing to see. And like, you see the picture of a police woman hugging a woman and like, in a veil saying she's not going to find her, which has been, it's been amazing to see that there is resistance to it. I think I was quite assuming, because like, the rise is on the like the rise in Denmark so I thought it might go through quite easily but the fact that people are resisting and people are on the streets against it and I think France is just a complete different story the narrative with like sec- um, secularism and so forth and like that has been misconstrued mm. instead of the state like telling people what they can and couldn't be the state should be a neutral thing in it and i think it's changed throughout history and i think it's gone into the narrative of the riot people don't necessarily see that it's like it all it's like france still has like their holidays are still based on the christmas calendar christian calendar technically like and they do certain things because of like christianity and like the french government gives so much money to the church it's like why don't if you really care about that you should be questioning yeah. that instead of questioning the muslim community which is like a small population in your country it's yeah. like yeah. yeah absolutely it's like they've really used it as a tool to kind of like get behind it yeah and it's it's interesting like thinking about the kind of contradictions of yeah like on the one hand pretending to stand up for like oppressed women but yeah. actually pushing this like quite uh, particular ideology really of um, of how women ought to be um it makes me think as well of there's a lyric by the band divine comedy mm-hmm. they've got a song called generation sex which was about generation x and it was yeah. like released in the in the late 90s um and one line is um generation sex supports the rights of girls who want to take their clothes off as long as we can all watch that's okay oh, and I it's thought. kind of like taking the piss out of this mm-hmm. like you know you know the and the there's been a real rise as well in the West of kind of like raunch culture yeah. and kind of, you know, this idea of like, and pop stars all the time talk about empowerment um, while, you know, dancing in really like sexualized way and, and mm. wearing like not very much, which on the one hand is fine if you want to do that, yeah. like go for it. But at the same time, it's like, if that's what empowerment looks like, then I think we've, if that's the only thing that empowerment looks like, then you know we've got to kind of question mm. kind of how we're going about it i don't know i think it's like the power of women has been so sexualized which is so like uh for, in order for her to be like if you see tv sh- or films in order for her to be empowered she has to have a good job have her life in order pay her bills be wearing high heels have her hair on point have everything on point like this is what 
powerful liberated woman are a part of the society they just have to be these perfect things for you to sexualize constantly like it's, i just it's just so frustrating to see and i think like the fact is like there's always that sexualization of like muslim women and the fact that what are you hiding i want to see what's underneath yeah. kind of thing it's like you know i don't want to show you what's yeah, underneath you my body's like yeah like and then people are like if i tell people i'm gonna dye my hair they're like why are you doing that no one's gonna see it's like for myself yeah right interesting yeah. yeah it's like if you wear nice underwear it doesn't mean everyone's gonna see it you're wearing it for yourself like you like yeah. you like i've been brought up in the west i do give in to certain ideas i think oh in order to do this i i feel better and then like you do do it like no one else is gonna see it but you do it for yourself it's mm-hmm. like I feel nicer underneath but no one knows and that's not a big thing and it's like slightly my secret which is kind of cool yeah 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 and I suppose it's interesting because um I had a friend a few years ago um who wore a headscarf and and I remember her talking about how people would come up to her um people would question other decisions that she was making way more than they would maybe question Mm -hmm. other friends because she was making a statement about her like beliefs and her culture they would kind of become hypercritical of other questions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't remember, I can't remember what the example was. I don't think it was that she was drinking wine because I don't think she drank, but it yeah. was something like that. And people would say, "Oh no, but are you allowed to do that?" And she's like, "Who are you to judge what I'm doing? You know, like I yeah. can, I can make decisions for myself." So do you, do you find that people are kind of like, like that example of dyeing your hair is a really good one because it's like, you know, people then start. Quite, whereas anybody else yeah. who wants to dye their hair, nobody's gonna kind of you know question it like do people, oh, yeah. are people extra critical i think people like the people i tend to hang around with these days are mostly socialists so they, they like have good points on it but beforehand it would just be people who'd be questioning like oh why you do that you shouldn't be doing that um because you've read a headscarf it's like technically i'm the one doing it so it's my choice so you don't have to worry like if you're coming from a certain friendship way that's fine by me but if you're coming from like criticizing me in this like in your mind like why is she doing that like as if they're more religious in their head than i am it's like right. like that's just pointless like it's i'm the one physically doing it and therefore you have no right and i think there's always this one thing when i see um a muslim woman walking down the street and she's with a guy or something and you can tell she's becomes a bit tense because she's like oh i hope she's not judging me it's like i'm not judging you at all but i, I don't know how to tell you that i'm not judging you <laughs> i was like go on with your life and i think that's so a part of us it's like we question if other people are judging us that's why like in certain atmospheres i will wrap up my headscarf because i think it's more suitable mm, than fully like because like i go like there's times when i go to a pub and like they've there'll be like people just staring at me and like i sometimes like i'm in my own little world i just be so focused on the person i'm talking to that i won't really notice but the person i'm talking to is very aware of like all these people just randomly staring at me because i just walked in it's just like just sit with confidence and do what you're gonna do and they'll probably just get bored of watching you after the world but it can be quite tiring can't it yeah like when i was a teenager Basically, when I was 11, I decided to cut all my hair off. And then by the time I was a teenager, I was, like, shaving my head and stuff, Mm. which was, like, a decision. And the thing is, to grow your hair out, it takes quite a long time. So it was kind of a decision that I, you know, in some respects had to kind of, like, stick with. And sometimes sometimes it was kind of tiring because, like, people would stare all the time because I did look, like, like a boy and get mistaken for a boy all the time and things like that. And it's just, like, that constant kind of, like, level of attention. It's tiring, isn't it? It's... 
it, it can be so like draining but I think I don't know I think it'd be draining for someone who might not be me because I have a tendency to ignore the like be just so zoned into what I'm doing that I ignore what's happening around me and like be my bubble sometimes and I think that can be a credit but also be a downfall in mm. certain things but it's just like I don't know, it's just the way I deal with it. Just I don't want to pay attention to you or give you any time or energy to take it from me. I think like throughout the years, I've just grown towards it. Just be like, actually, I just couldn't be asked or bothered. Like, if you want to ask me a question or say something to me, you're more than welcome to, but I'm not going to give you any time or space to make me feel uncomfortable around my friends. So it's like... I don't know. But then there's times where I'm alone and it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. Like with, when I'm with my friends, it's like fine. But when mm-hmm. I'm alone, it's just like, I'll be so much more conscious of it. Like, I would never go into a pub alone. It's just like something I won't do because it just feels so weird. And I think other people would do it, but I would never go, like, I would never go to certain places if I'm not with a friend who I feel comfortable with because I'm just like, I kind of just don't want to deal with it. Mm, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Good thing. I like the bubble. <laughs> yeah. The bubble's good. Um, so what do you think about this kind of like rise of the far right as well? Like, do you think that Muslim women are going to face even more kind of uh, mm. prejudice and things like that? Yeah, I think even after Boris Johnson's comment, I've heard like stories of one or two Muslim women being attacked on the street and it just... I don't know, it's just like this constant Islamophobia and just like racism. It just becomes so ingrained in our world that it's becoming like, so it's become so top down. Like the government says something, but they say it discreetly, but those on the ground can take it even more to the right because they feel comfortable that space has already been taken. What we were saying is not extreme anymore because the government's literally saying that we could go even further and further. And I think, um, like the attack on bookmarks bookshop kind of just highlights the confidence they have like to go in a bookshop on the broad daylight on a saturday afternoon to like pick up this, it was just so stupid picking up books that had nothing to do with what they were saying like just, you guys are freaking idiots but they had so much confidence to do it and the fact that the guy was like i hope your bookshop burns down was like it could like that could be their next step you never know and i think it's incredibly terrifying to see 15,000 of Tommy Robinson's supporters on the streets then go to like it went down to 6,000 the next time but there's still people around him and I think those people are just becoming much more hardcore growing and I think so it is incredibly scary but what's important that is that us on the left United fight back against it and I know there's like I'm a part of the left I know there's things that people don't agree with and politically and I think okay I get it but what frustrates me more than anything is being an anti-racist activist but also being a black Muslim woman you guys are bittering amongst yourself when really truly you should be standing alongside us and fighting back against it that's what frustrates me more than anything the fact that you're willing to divide a movement based on your disagreements than standing in unity for the people who you really if you call yourself a true socialist or you call yourself someone who's on the left that's what you should be putting first not your disagreements which I think frustrates me more than anything and it just is so heartbreaking to see like sometimes like I just like sometimes there's points where I just want to cry for me I just like 
there's phys- there's Muslim women physically being attacked on the streets and you're willing to divide the movement into half because of your disagreements. Right, like. exactly. So it's the like the sectarianism or like, yeah. you know, quit like disagreements about about basic stuff on the left when yeah. actually there's a bigger picture here. I know, it's like if we're not gonna unite against this, what on earth are we going to unite against? It's it's like if there's there's no hope for the left if you can't unite against this and I think I think we will and I think it will take time. The fact that the stand up to racism a counter demo against the Tommy Robertson lot went from like a couple of hundred to three thousand the next time we were like ten times the size we were last time is amazing and shows that people on the left are waking up to it and I think after bookmarks more people have woken up to the rise of the right and I'm gonna be on the street the next time they mobilise and I think we should all be united in that to fight back against them because these people are getting so much more confidence and Tommy Robinson's out again and I think we have to be very aware of what he's trying to do and the um the links of them across the whole of Europe, like people say they are internationalist nationalists. Mm. They care about their own countries, but they're part of other groups across yeah. Europe who are so very aware. Yeah. So it's like the Hungarians and the yeah. Austrians and the Dutch and the Americans, like yeah. the far right in all those countries linking up. Yeah, they, like Steve Bannon with Boris Johnson a couple of weeks, like a week or so ago, like this guy is known to have racist ideas and like, it just shows that uh, like those at the top of the government will continue to go right because that's what they think those on the bottom want. Like the working class people, the voters won. And they're thinking, I'm going to get votes by going more to the right. But what they're really chewing, truly doing is going to the right and making it more acceptable for other people on the right who don't necessarily want votes to go to the right even more. Right. And it's just more <clears throat> of a threat for like not only Muslim women or um, black people or people of ethnicity is also a threat to the left and trade unionists. Like the last demo against Tommy Robertson, he was attacked, but um, RNT general secretary, the RNT, the man from RNT, and I think is it's like it's, they didn't go for the working class. This they didn't go for the ideas of the left by going for a bookshop. He just did a constantly keep going further. And if you guys don't wake up to it now. It's kind of a bit worried. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And like you say, like so many people stand to kind of and and also it's it's about those people in the middle as well, the people who you know, this the kind of somebody was talking to me about the hard racists and then the soft racists. Mm. So there's the hard racists on the far right and then yeah. there's the, the people whose opinion can be swayed and yeah. I think that's really um it is really frightening. Um just to finish off then, I just had a question about Gap have just released their like back to school campaign I think it is yeah. and they've got this kind of they've got this I don't know if you've seen it but if they've got an advert with all these different kids you know <laughs> all um um lots of different ethnicities are represented um and there was a girl um wearing a headscarf as well mm-hmm. and um Nike released a sportswear hijab and yeah. you know I just wanted to ask you about this the rise of um brands kind of um trying to choose words that aren't yeah. too uh, <laughs> too <laughs> revealing about what I think of it but you know um the the brands that are releasing products and and kind of like putting uh hijabi models on the catwalk mm-hmm. and things like that the representation basically of hijabis in fashion what do you think about it I think like I'm a revolutionary so I don't like massive businesses I would just buy them but like at the same time we do live in a capitalist society where repetitive 
representation does mean quite a lot for people and I think if you see yourself on the media or you see yourself um a woman wearing a headscarf or like an advert or be represented as something beautiful is comforting for young kids to know but I think for me what I I'm fully aware like what they're doing is just making profit from they're not like being considerate or conscious or making a conscious effort to be solidarity or show solidarity with women at all they're thinking this is a new population a part of this country and in order to make more profit we have to tap into that market that's what they're thinking I'm very aware of that but at the same time I'm very aware of the young girl who'd be watching it at home and who will see herself and think oh I'm actually a part of it and I think it's a double-edged sword that I'm like I guess like in a different world we wouldn't have to need that need the big business to do that because that young girl will feel that she's a part of it no matter what she wears or does or anything but the fact that we live in a world that we do and where she does have to question it I think if there's any reassurance for her I'm happy for them to do it mm. yeah yeah I think that's a good answer it's kind of there's two sides of it isn't there yeah and representation is definitely important like going back to what we were saying before about like people not being exposed to things and, and yeah. seeing it and stuff like that so and it's I, I guess it it kind of taps into one of the problems of the fashion industry is that like often and it's not just wearing um a headscarf which is a good example but also when you think about like skate culture mm-hmm. or the punk movement or any kind of you know and then also examples of other cultural appropriation with yeah. you know um with uh, sacred symbols but it's you know capitalism using um motifs to to kind of generate profit and to yeah. and to release us trends or whatever it's kind of it's interesting the way um <clears throat> interesting and depressing yeah <laughs> the way fashion kind of co- colonizes people's ideas no matter yeah. who they are um but yeah I, I guess you're right it's it's kind of like there's two sides of it definitely yeah i think fashion like capitalism sucks the life out of anything that's unique and human like they will leech onto it and suck their life out of it and make as much profit as they can and then they will dispose of it i think they have done throughout history and they will continue to do so and i think we should always be aware of that but there are people who are genuinely like really quite interested in it and like do appreciate different cultures and i think we should also remember that and i think i don't know we should be aware of who's the enemy and not the enemy like if there's a woman on the streets wearing something that's not her culture I don't really mind it's like she probably appreciates it and actually thinks it's pretty mm-hmm. what I dislike is the companies at the top who are making profit from it and it's a lot of people from that actual culture selling it or just telling the true story of what it means to be wearing that clothing or what like most stuff in history have such a story that you never get told and you're always told like it just looks nice, so therefore get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of reducing it to the aesthetics. It's, yeah. It's interesting. Cool. Well, thank you so much. That was a really good chat. Thanks for having me. Covered everything. There was a few things that I wanted to end on. Um, so first of all, it's how can people support you? I think to support what I do would be meaning to come on demonstrations that are cold, cold, um, to be a part of the movement against the rise of the far right, I think like personally that's what I would want people to do like when there is one just don't say you support it and not be there I think body numbers do count so people should be there bring their friends as well 
Yeah, that's brilliant. What kind of organisations can people search for if they want to hear more about anti-racist demonstrations, for example? I think, um, like, the one I'm a part of is Stand Up to Racism, which has been played, like, a key role in highlighting the growth of racism when no-one else really was aware of it. I think we've been there at the beginning, at the forefront of it. And I think we will continue to be there. And I think if people want to be a part of that, that's great. And But if people just want to turn up to a demo and not necessarily a part of it, that's fine. Like, that's up to you. But I think what really matters now more than ever is that we unite under one banner and become a united, like, united movement. Uh, and I think that's what's the main importance of those on the left to do now more than ever. Definitely. And certainly within the UK, there's stand-up to racism yeah. and the branches all over, isn't there? Yeah, in the UK there is. And I think across the whole of Europe, there's like loads of anti-racist groups are taking place and there's loads of activities. And I think people... I know like we live in a world where you're, you come back from work and you're completely knackered and you don't really want to do much. But I think it's important that we do, especially if you have a day off just and there's a demo, just go to it because... It does really matter the numbers that are there. And I think people tend to think, no, it's fine, other people go because it's such an important thing. But it's like, if you don't go, why do you think other people will be going? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's a very good point. Um, do you have anything that you've read or watched? Do you know of anything that people can kind of read or watch to mm-hmm. learn more about like these issues? I think um, there's always videos on YouTube that's good to watch, but... Uh, I tend to read stuff about movements in the past and just read what happened there. I think, like, watching stuff about um, the Black Panthers or reading, like, the person I adore is Angela Davis and reading her autobiography was the best thing. Like, it starts with her, like, being on the chase from the police. It kind of says it all. And I think in order to understand the movement now, you should understand history. And I think that would be a basis for people to do and make sure you get it from the right sources maybe something people could do is go to bookmarks because that would be the best place to get the best books yeah or, like, exactly stuff on the left. Yeah, yeah. yeah the left-wing bookshop in london so, yeah like an independent one go for it mm-hmm. amazing um and finally do you want to shout out your social media um i have an instagram i think it's uh nebo I think it's name a Nemo found or something like yeah. that. If people want to search me up, I'm not that active, but like I'm active in life, but not active on social media as much. But hey ho. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. That's cool. If people want to yeah. find you and follow you, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a journey. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Future Heist is recorded and produced by me, Rena Neve Smith, with original music by Benjamin Tassi and artwork by Fleur Beck. Special thanks to Chloe Vasegi and Joshua Los Challens. You can follow us on Instagram at future underscore heist. Thank you.